Hello and welcome to Canada Mint Sound of Play 280. Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Ryan Heyman, in today's Sound of Play, we have a kind of a 10th episode special. Typically, we we go through kind of an entire uh, history of a particular series or, or do something else that's a little bit out of the ordinary. And today, since it is kind of following in mid-late December, we're going to be doing something a little bit Christmassy with, with my guest here. So joining me for this Sound of Play Christmas special, as it were, we have Jason Napolitano. Thank you for having me. Hey, well, I'm, uh, I'm interested in uh, you uh, approached us with a, uh, a really neat kind of Christmas release that, um, that your Scarlet Moon Records has been it's been working on there's some kind of video gamey spirit to it a little bit of that kind of holiday sound and we're going to be listening through that album and a bonus track in its entirety uh, on today's show and uh, learning more about its process and about the uh, tracks that are included by a variety of musicians from the video games remix and cover space some people that um you know, artists that people will be familiar with um, if they've spent time in this community before. Uh, and uh, some nice tunes, both, uh, well, let's say there are remixes of tracks from video games. There are some uh, kind of modern interpretations of both traditional and uh, more modern Christmas classics and at least one or two original tracks as well. Kind of a nice smorgasbord of holiday treats for people today. So 
Uh, I guess with all of that said, yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested in uh, getting to know you a little bit, Scarlet Moon a little bit. Um, what is your, I guess, history and uh, what is your kind of role in the um, in this kind of video game music publishing space? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the, the question. It's a good one. I, I get asked it every time, you know, I talk to somebody <laughs> and you'd think I'd be able to boil it down to like a concise explanation of exactly what it is we do, but um, I haven't been able to figure that out yet. So even even though we've been going for seven years, but uh, <laughs> well, if my intro can't be concise, then there's no reason we should expect that of the guests as so well. I'll try to do it as quickly as I can. So Scarlet Moon is kind of uh, Scarlet Moon Productions is an overarching umbrella of three uh, kind of four ish different kind of ventures, right? So we have Scarlet Moon Records, which is what we, where we publish game music. And uh, that's where this Christmas series, we publish it through our own Scarlet Moon Records. Um, the biggest thing we do on Scarlet Moon Records is probably our sleep series, Prescription for Sleep Game Music Lullabies. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have heard of that one. Um, uh, that's game music. To yeah, those have been running for a long yeah, time. Yeah, there's about now. nine or ten of those albums. It's charted on Billboard. Um, and it's game music arranged in a jazzy way to sleep and relax to by the uh, composer and saxophonist from the Metal Gear Solid series. So it's kind of this own fun little uh, project that's really taken, kind of created a life of its own. Uh, And then, um, you know, we do these Christmas albums because we're fans of Christmas music. And um, and it it ties into some of the other uh, ventures that we have in in the Scarlet Moon umbrella. Um, One of them is a PR arm. We do PR for composers and our label and, um, other labels. And that's how, you know, we got in touch, uh, for this, you know, uh, episode was, you know, we were promoting our Christmas album. And so we do P, you know, some PR work for, you know, other clients and our label and so on. Uh, and then we have a sister brand called Violet Moon Promotions that does, um, PR for indie games. Uh, and then the last one that ties into this album specifically is our Scarlet Moon artists. And this is an artist group um, you know, a kind of an artist agency, um, that I oversee. And, uh, you know, we have composers, um, some veteran composers from Japan. So the biggest names probably, you know, Norihiko Hibino, I mentioned, uh, does our sleep series. We have, um, Hiroki Kikuda who did Secret of Mana. We have Hitoshi Sakimoto who's known for Final Fantasy and, um, Valkyria Chronicles and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and then we have some talent from Korea and the U S and, um, so we have a roster of about, you know, 10 different talents um, that we work with a lot of indie developers and, and bigger developers as well um, to provide music for their projects, you know, mostly video games, sometimes short film or, you know, whatever it is. And so, um, you know, Dale North, who's one of the talents on our roster, and I are huge um, Christmas music fans. And so uh, right when we started the, this label back in, 2013, um, you know, he, I knew he did an annual Christmas track. And so I said, well, you know, why don't we, um, why don't we do like a Christmas EP? And so even though this latest album where he released, uh, two weeks ago was Scarlet Moon Christmas volume five, there's actually six releases in the series because the first one was an EP. And, uh, I actually have a track on there. Dale has two tracks. The bonus track you're going to play today is by Gumin Nam from Korea. Um, and uh, that's the track that he did for that EP. And then, you know, pretty much 
uh, I think we took one year off and then we started doing a full album. And so what, what these albums are, um, you, you summed it up. It's a um, game composers doing uh, game music in Christmas style or doing Christmas classics in their own signature styles. And so um, that way all the tracks are Christmassy in some, some, some manner. And, um, you know, we basically open up. It's, it's interesting because to get these out, we try to get them out by Black Friday um, because that's when I start listening to Christmas music. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but, to, you know, we end up having to start working on these in like September, October-ish. So it's like, I, and, and Halloween is probably even a, a bigger holiday for me than, than Christmas. So I'm like in full Halloween mode and haunted <laughs> houses and all this stuff. And I'm bugging people to, to get me their Christmas tracks. We've spoken to uh, quite a few people who have done these types of remix albums before. And actually September, October, like that's a pretty quick turnaround for one of these types of projects. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we have kind of a, a rolling um, roster of people who are on the album. So if you go back to the the beginning, you know, there's, there's a few people who've kind of consistently been on most of every single one, um, you know, Mustin and Dale and mm-hmm. uh, let's see, like uh, Kubota-san um, from Japan. He's known for the Beat Mania series. Um, they, they consistently turn in a song um, for the series. But, you know, it's kind of like um, we what we typically do is I send an invite to everyone who is affiliated with our, our um, Scarlet Moon artists. And then some other people who kind of do, you know, like Mustin, for example, he, he's not on the roster, but he does all of our engineering. So I invite him to participate. And then if there's anyone throughout the year, you know, that we've worked with in a PR capacity or in, you know, like a graphic design or graphic designers tend are also musicians. Um, we, so, so in that sense, it's kind of like, you know, who did we work with this year? Um, and who can we bring in to, to contribute and, you know, whoever's available, um, uh, contributes and, you know, and I, and my thing too is, and I think everyone would agree and it shouldn't be a big surprise that, um, you know, these aren't kind of huge commercial endeavors. Um, there's not a lot of money to be made in, in, in holiday game music. Mm-hmm. Um, so really we're all just kind of doing this for fun. Um, you know, if there's some money, that's fine, but we're really just doing it because we all love Christmas music and, um, we really just, it's, it's just a fun little thing. It's, it's, it's interesting to me as you have, you know, I, I almost don't like calling it, you know, Scarlet Moon Christmas volume one, two, three, four, five, because you, you think at some point people just get kind of bored or tired of it. <laughs> so I hope people don't get bored or tired of it because of the name, you know, they're reading the book by its cover because every album really, every single volume has, you know, different contributors. One year we had Robin Miller, who's one of the co-creators and the composer of Mist. You know, he did a track. Mm-hmm. Um, Kikuda-san did a track one year. Hibino-san did a track one year. Um, we've had Mega Ran. We've had... Um, Stemage has done some amazing tracks. Stemage from Metroid Metal. He's done some really fun ones. He did an Alvin and the Chipmunks track last year. And then the year before that, he did like a a bubble bobble recorded with all the kind of grainy, clicky uh, noise as if it were like an old vinyl recording. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's been a fun, it's been really fun seeing um, what people pick to do. And, and so you would, you would also kind of asked about how we come up with the tracks um, that people cover and for the most part, um, each artist, you know, kind of chooses what they want to cover. 
Um, and then I have them run it by me because there's all the licensing, you know, and royalty mm-hmm. payment kind of considerations. So, um, you know, some companies are easy to license their songs, whereas other ones um, are a little more difficult, especially the, the Japanese companies. So if the music hasn't been released in the U.S., it kind of gets uh, tricky. Nintendo is one of the you know particularly challenging ones. Um, right. And everybody wants to cover those songs. So there's a few cases like Justin Lassen will often say, hey, you know, do you have a song that you want me to do? Or, you know, Mustin is a couple times um, this year. He said, what, you know, what do you think I should cover? And I said, you know what? Uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, which is one of my favorite Super Nintendo games, uh, just was released on vinyl in the U.S., which means we can cover it now. <laughs> so um, he did, you know, Legend of the Mystical Ninja um, arrangement, which I which I think is fantastic. It's such a good soundtrack. Trying to find one song to cover from that um, uh, is it, so difficult. And, you know, who knows, maybe an arrangement from that game will appear on one of our other uh, arrangement album series. Um, so leave that to the imagination. Uh, but yeah, um, what else is on this, this year we have, you know, like you said, um, vector drive, who is a local artist here in San Diego, where I'm at, um, is a synthwave artist. And so he did an original kind of Christmas tune called sunset on the drift that he recorded with, um, Brian, whose last name I won't try to pronounce cause I can't type it or pronounce it. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it in the press release, but it, it, his last name is difficult. Anyway, he's the guitarist for, um, you know, he works with various cover bands and things. So, um, you know, he's been working with uh, Vector Drive on, on some soundtrack work. And so I think it just kind of flowed into, uh, hey, I'm doing this Christmas track. Do you want to do some guitar work on it? So it's live, live guitar on there and kind of a co-composer credit um, with that guitar work that he put in. And... Um, yeah, so for the most part, people pick their own track, and sometimes I get the uh, pleasure of of choosing a track that I want to hear. Yeah, we, we were so close to having Dale on the album this year. He's just so busy with some, um, you know, soundtrack work that it, 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 it's a difficult decision to say, hey, um, you know, take time off of working on this music for a client so that you can do your Christmas song. So he was close to finishing it, but he didn't hit it on time, so... Uh, I told him just to finish it up when he has time and we'll put it on next year's album. This is also probably a question that you've gotten a lot this year. And so I apologize for something that must be a very familiar answer at this point. But uh, did um, did COVID help or hurt the you know, did you find that the the people who contribute to this album have more time on their hands that are more willing to contribute to a cool project if work projects aren't as plentiful or do people tend to be you know, busier kind of, uh, you know, doing whatever they, they can to try to stay safe and sane during this time. Is it a, uh, did it impact, um, the production of this, which must be an already fairly, you know, remote type of production anyways? I would say I I don't, I didn't um, detect any impact of COVID on this year's album. Um, and you're right. It doesn't, that question gets asked a lot because, you know, with all of our developer partners and outreach that we do, you know, it just seems like it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, some people um, feel like, you know, they're stuck inside. So they've been they've been working on whatever it is they're working on more. Uh, whereas other people, you know, maybe they work in an actual physical office and now they're not together or their work style is that they, you know, do better when they're hold away in an office, you know, with their with their with their colleagues yeah. uh, away from home. 
Um, so it's kind of been all over the place in terms of what I've seen, but for, for the most part, um, you know, even with the, the, our, our, you know, artist group, you know, I want to say we've probably been more productive generally, uh, because, you know, everybody's working from home anyway, but now, you know, like Dale, for example, um, you know, isn't gallivanting around Japan where he's usually gone twice a year. Um, you know, everybody, nobody made it out to the convention circuit. Mm, so right. everybody kind of, you know, so that March time frame, that June time frame, you know, GDC and E3 TGS in mm-hmm. September, um, instead of losing out on a week, everybody's kind of available. So, but you know, that, that said, um, working on an album like this, where it's kind of a side fun thing, um, you know, you can't necessarily prioritize that over your paying gigs and it seems like people are, have those plentiful. So that's, that's a good, that's a good thing. That's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of looking at this, the track list for this year's album. And it's, it, I feel like this, uh, the volume five is really, uh, was, was, was a lot of fun to produce and, and, and there's some really cool music on here. Do you want me to dive more into the, the individual tracks? Yeah, we'll go in kind of uh, piece by piece here. So let's uh, let's talk about these first couple tracks. We've listened to Sleigh Ride and Dreamland on the way into the show. Mm-hmm. Let's. Uh, I just kind of want to open the door and see if there's any kind of cool stories or background that you want to give about this one is composed in the style of the Kirby games. And it definitely has that uh, Super Nintendo sound and feel to it. And uh, quite a bit of energy <laughs> to start off the to start off the album. Uh, yeah. I, I'm curious, kind of as we go, the task of sequencing an album with such varied uh, tempos and feelings and uh, it, it timbers to each um, to each track and whether there's, uh, you know, what the kind of thought process was as to like where, where each track fell in the sequence of the album. But uh, this is a... Uh, I feel like this is quite a bold opening. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and I'm very lucky... Uh, to have Mustin on board, you know, he's been doing this, uh, you know, album production and engineering and, you know, he's really one of the pioneers in video game covers, right? You know, he uh, was, he mm-hmm. was, I think he was up back in the days of like, you know, early days of OC Remix and, you know, maybe even mp3.com. I want to say that he was up on there too, <laughs> but uh, Mustin, when he does all the um, just mostly leveling because everybody's kind of mastered their track at a different level. Um, I, he, you know, he says, you want me to order the tracks? And I say, yes, please. So, you know, usually you start off with a bang and then you might end with something at the end, a little more contemplative and you kind of create, you know, um, ebbs and flows throughout the middle of that. So uh, thankfully I had, I, I, this is something that I agonize over. So mm-hmm. having Mustin available to um, tell me what order he thinks the track should go. And he does this, by the way, for our um, prescription for sleep albums, too. I'll say, what, what order do you think these should go in? And he'll, he'll put them in order for me. Uh, that's for the compilations. The ones that are the, um, the soundtrack ones, we usually do in order as they appear on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he did that. That's great. Um, regarding Hunter's track specifically, um, Hunter's been a, a friend over the past several years, um, a mutual friend of Dale and I, and he's just so incredibly talented, um, as a composer and arranger, and he doesn't get to do it very often. Um, he's, he's the audio director over at Evening Star. And, um, so he does a lot of, uh, kind of, you know, oversight and direction and these kinds of things. And I always think it's such a shame that he doesn't get to, to write more. So I was really happy that he appeared for the first time on, um, Gosh, what was it? It must have been 
volume three that he appeared on where he did a Santa Claus is coming to town in the style of a Pokemon battle theme. Um, and I had to keep confirming with him, just like on this track where this one's, um, you know, sleigh ride in the style of Kirby. I had to keep asking him, so you're sure this doesn't reference, uh, you know, Kirby at all, <laughs> or, you know, the other one doesn't reference Pokemon at all. He's like, no, 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 it's completely the Christmas song just in that style. So I think he did a, a masterful, uh, kind of a mashup that makes you think that, God, there has to be some Kirby in here. This can't not be Kirby. It just sounds like Kirby. And then the Pokemon one from volume three is also a lot of fun to listen to. So we were really happy to have a very energetic and bombastic start to the album. Quite a bold start. Uh, that was Sleigh Ride in Dreamland based on the Sleigh Ride uh, traditional Christmas song. So next, we're going to be getting into a track that is a kind of a direct cover from a video game, another Super Nintendo piece to kind of link the first two together. This is a cover of Ice Cave Chant from Donkey Kong Country called Ice Bells Are Ringing. I, as I was kind of, you know, making notes listening through the album, I found that I had written down oh, this is my favorite track on the album, more times than is useful to, to repeat <laughs> in the show. Uh, because every track is so different and every everyone brings such like a different energy to it that like it's hard to even kind of compare them against each other. But uh, I, I I really like this track. It's um, it has such a uh, such a cool energy to it. And I'm a big fan of the Donkey Kong Country soundtracks in particular. And um, this is one of the tracks from Donkey Kong Country that even though I listen to those old soundtracks all the time, this is one of the ones that I don't usually uh, don't usually rest upon, you know, and yeah, it's just really yeah. nice hearing this, um, you know, hearing Blind, who is kind of a mainstay in the um, video game music community, uh, really kind of pull um, pull the best out of this track and really... Um, it feels like kind of a, a fresh kind of re-examination of, um, of David Wise's track, or is this one of Evelyn Fisher's? I should have done that, that part of the research as well, but, um, that track from the original Donkey Kong country soundtrack. That's so funny you say that because, um, <laughs> I have a long experience. I only played the first Donkey Kong country game and, um, I played it a lot because somebody had told me if you beat the game, on one with a you know three save files on the game. If you do a single player, a, do, a two player, and a two player co op, and you get a hundred percent on every single one of those, you unlock a secret. And it turned <laughs> out that wasn't true. <laughs> but so, but Those old school yard rumors. Yeah. So somehow I did that, um, and so I played the game a lot, and I don't remember this song at all. <laughs> so it was mm. nice to kind of be exposed to a song that maybe I hadn't, like you said hadn't stuck with me on the first listen and it, it is a great kind of whimsical uh you know track on the album and and you know blind i've been a fan of blind since the early overclocked remix days um largely known for trance music and uh, mm -hmm. so this was kind of a, a nice kind of like pleasant you know different sound <laughs> and i can tell you blind is somebody who he uh, he has a lot of different aliases for different styles of music he writes so I thought it was fun that he, he decided to use Blind for this one, um, given that it sounds so different. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you. And um, just kind of being pleasantly surprised that this song that maybe I hadn't remembered from Donkey Kong Country uh, was selected and, um, and is one of, the you know, one of the enjoyable moments on the album. 
I just uh, looked it up as well. This was one of Eveline Fisher's uh, tracks from the original Donkey Kong Country. I know that the soundtracks for Donkey Kong Country series were kind of divided between the two composers with uh, Donkey Kong Country 1 being roughly an even split between David Wise and Eveline Fisher, Donkey Kong Country 2 being almost entirely David Wise, if not entirely, and then Donkey Kong Country 3 being entirely Eveline Fisher, depending on the version of the of the game that you play. Um, David Wise went back and recorded an entirely new soundtrack for uh, Country 3 uh, on the Game Boy Advance release, which which is either a really cool, you know, a, a new David Wise album, essentially, or potentially uh, kind of could be read as somewhat disrespectful, depending on how, how close you were to, to Fisher's uh, original Super Nintendo soundtrack. Um, but interesting history from yeah. some interesting I didn't know that it happened outside Nintendo. of the Sonic CD uh, situation. <laughs> yeah, Sonic's had... Um, Sonic had what was it? A uh, 3D Blast had two entire soundtracks based on uh, the two platforms that it launched on um, by yeah. different composers and everything. So yeah, some interesting history from throughout uh, throughout some of these early platformers. Um, but anyways, this is Ice Bells Are Ringing by Blind Donkey Kong Country. <laughs>
get into this next track here. This is a cover of Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. It's a uh, kind of a holiday mainstay. And I will say that uh, the original track, um, if it gets criticized for anything, it is its repetition. And this cover, I think, leans into the repetition, but does enough to to really kind of take you on a journey throughout and to feel like it's progressing towards a goal in a way that uh, that keeps it fresh, that keeps it interesting um, throughout the the run of the track. I uh, I, I think they, they did some kind of clever things in here. Um, what was, uh, you know, this one has definitely kind of an electronic sound to it, but was it, was it grounded in any particular type of, of game style or sound like the Kirby track was at the beginning, or does it just kind of fit the general uh, kind of ethos of what the album was creating here? So I, so I have to ask, are you familiar with this artist? I don't recognize the name offhand, sure. but I'm sure that I have dozens of tracks from, I, I have so much uh, video game remix music on my mm-hmm. computer. So from the outside, um, so I have to tell you, you know, the song I'm, I'm right with, it's not probably my favorite Christmas song, but um, I have some mm-hmm. arrangements that I really like, and this is probably my favorite version of it now. So um, this artist, I was very, very excited to have on the project, and this artist, Mojera, it's a it's a unit. It's two performers. Um, the first is Mitsuro Suzuki, um, who is a Japanese composer um, who works for a very large um, video game company in Japan uh, that just released a, a giant, massive RPG soundtrack last year. And uh, Suzuki-san, I've been a fan of for a very long time, um, has worked on a number of RPGs whose music I'm a big fan of. And um, on the side of that, he's always had these um, kind of solo uh, art, you know, releases of just his, his electronic music. And he has a very distinct style and it comes through in this arrangement. It's very kind of um, experimental, abstract, um, electronic, dreamy. Um, and so mm, he, yeah. he started this unit called Mojera and it's him doing all the synthesizers and then vocalist um, and guitarist non doing the vocals. And so, um, you know, just because this uh, Suzuki-san works at at the big company, um, you know, we've been careful to not, uh, you know, just to kind of keep it separate. And that's why I'm being so vague about, (laughs) you know, what he's worked on. But look him up. It's Mitsudo Suzuki and Nan um, doing this kind of, and they they just actually this year, they formed this unit and had their uh, debut um, album release. And so their, their new album, it's called Overkill, is fantastic. It's a really great album. And um, I've known that Suzuki-san has been a fan of Christmas music for a long time. Some of the games he scored, he um, has included, you know, one of them was set in, in winter, and he got to do some Christmas music. Um, I, he's done some um, official uh, Christmas arrangements for the, the company he works for um, that were released, you know, in Japan. And so I knew he was a big fan of Christmas music. So I just kind of, um, given that he and I had connected regarding Mojera's debut album release this year, we wrote about it on our company blog. Um, I said, hey, you know, would you be interested in contributing to our Christmas album this year? I know you're a big fan of Christmas music. And he was. So they contributed this track. Um, I was very excited to hear it. Um, everyone on the album was very excited to participate um, in an album that would feature this track. 
so you can kind of see any, <laughs> obviously in any of our uh, marketing of the album, we kind of highly talk about um, this contribution specifically. Uh, we're really excited to have Suzuki-san and Don um, on the album. And, and like you said, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a fun rendition of the song. It's five minutes, over five minutes long. So if uh, repetition was a problem, yeah. I, I, I don't find that to be the case with this, with this version of it, because there is kind of a lot of excursions into electronic elements that kind of take you away from the repetition, but, uh, definitely, uh, um, I anyway, so I don't detect any kind of overriding influence on it other than it's very much, um, Suzuki's on signature style. Yeah. I like, uh, the, the verses, as you mentioned, you use the term dreamy. That's exactly what I was going to go with as well. I love the, uh, that a lot of the verses, a lot of these kind of interstitial portions of the track, uh, have very, uh, kind of loose and whimsical, almost kind of syncopated feelings to them of being, uh, of kind of taking the, uh, the driving beat of the piece as more of a suggestion than anything else. And, uh, it gives you that really kind of nice, hazy, uh, relaxed feel. And then it jumps right into, um, other parts of the track that are very kind of on beat, uh, forward driving, almost feel aggressive by comparison. And it just, it creates a, a really uh, kind of exciting um, and unpredictable track as you experience it. <laughs> yeah. And if this is your first experience to this group, uh, Mojera, you know, I hope it kind of turns people on to going and checking out their, uh, mm-hmm. their first album, Overkill, which is just, re- it's really great. And this is Wonderful Christmas Time by Mojera.
have a track that um, you were you were helpful enough to send over the pre-read materials, the press release and everything. But um, as I was just kind of listening through the album and not referencing the notes one-to-one, it's just giving it the initial listen, this track sounded so familiar <laughs> because I, I had played the game that it came from mm-hmm. and I couldn't place it. And when I looked it up, I... I realized like, oh yeah, there is no way in a million years that I would have ended up placing this one in my mind um, because it's, it feels so different from its original context and it feels so transformative from what it once was. It still retains kind of a, a magical level of recognizability considering how different it is in implementation. But um, this is a, a remix of a track from The Messenger, the 2018, I want to say, platformer uh that was published by devolver digital terrific game that cycled between 8-bit and 16-bit music or sorry not musical styles it does that um platforming uh and graphical styles and to add on to that it uh kind of pulled its music along with it um between those roughly nes and super nintendo um styles interesting game to choose for an album like this but it ends up fitting really well and ends up being a a really compelling piece were was this one of the games that that you had suggested them pursuing or was it kind of a surprise to see the messenger on the list yeah yeah so so gene is a i just made uh i just met gene this year and so um you know we've really hit it off and been communicating a lot through email and we were just kind of throwing around ideas for ways we could work together. And um, I said, oh, hey, you know, we have this um, upcoming Christmas project we do. Would you, would you be interested in participating? And uh, he was. And so, you know, he's, he, you know, basically, he's, he's, I think he told me outright that he was thinking about doing something from The Messenger. It's a game that I've been, I've always kind of admired from afar. And it's been on my backlog to play. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually played it yet. And, but I, but I really need to. And, um, you know, he submitted it and I was like, wow, this is so different. This is so fun. It's, it's, it's one minute and 49 seconds. I wish it was longer. That's, that's my one criticism is I really enjoyed what he did with it. And I actually had to go back and listen, you know, I went back and listened to the soundtrack too, to see like, okay, well, what's the context for this song? And I was surprised by how different it was too. And uh, of course, when we released the album, you know, I'm in touch with the, the team at Sabotage who developed the game. And I sent them, I said, Hey, you know, you, you, I don't know if you caught it yet, but, um, you know, uh, one of the artists on our album this year, uh, did an arrangement from the messenger. So I sent them some codes and things and, you know, they were all kind of surprised and, and excited that somebody would, or, you know, be remixing, you know, along the side, alongside of Donkey Kong country and, you know, some of the other mm-hmm. stuff yeah. on this album, like classics, you know, somebody thought enough of the music of the messenger to, to cover it on the album. So you know, we were really excited to be working with Gene for the first time, uh, really excited to have a kind of unusual and exciting pick, uh, and uh, the fact that the team got a kick out of it, too. So That's terrific. Well, The Messenger is a very unique game in the modern pantheon of indies. Um, it's, it's a very generous game as well. It's a, a game that feels, uh, feels complete when it comes to a natural end. And then it reveals that you're only about a quarter of the way through the game. So it's a 
a longer game than you would expect, but it never overstays its welcome, in my opinion. And it even um, Sabotage released a free expansion pack. I think it was the following summer, um, uh, kind of a uh, beach paradise uh, uh, expansion, which is very different than any of the zones that you had visited in the main game. So it's uh, literally a game that keeps on giving. And um, for its uh, relatively humble asking price, it uh, asks very little in return for how much it returns to you. So in that sense, it fits the Christmas spirit very nicely. (laughs) Anyways, this is extremely cool. This is Hills of Destiny based on a track from The Messenger. This next track is, as you were mentioning at the top of the show, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, which is um, a, a very cool series. It's one that never really got its due here in America anyways, um, probably because I think only a very, very small number of its uh, rather extensive library um, in Japan anyways was ever released in the West, unless I'm mistaken. I think there are several several japan only titles in that oh, series yeah. it's a massive series in japan but uh it, it feels like it feels like it's just one kind of switch compilation away from being you know a hit over here as well you know i think there's uh there's the only people that i know that have played games from this series in the west uh absolutely swear by it and so um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's overdue. It's time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a highly comical series and I think it draws on a lot of Japanese yeah. specific humor. And so I understand mm. why they didn't localize a lot of this stuff, but, you know, I want to say mystical ninja had to have been probably, I'm guessing with the first game, maybe that I don't know. I'd have to look it up. It's the first game I was aware of from the series. And then they had, um, one or two Nintendo 64 games that got localized mm-hmm. and, I, I, that was pretty much it. And, and, you know, the series is, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't like delved into this series so much, but I, I bought this 
like $200 soundtrack box volume one when I was in Japan last time. And there's, you know, probably a good dozen uh, NES and Game Boy soundtracks all just alone uh, for for this Mm -hmm. series. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's uh, and, you know, I think it's even though it, it came out here in North America, I don't know if you were aware, it was actually The Legend of the Mystical Ninja um, was on the SNES Classic in Europe. So I think it oh, might okay. even be more popular there than it is here. Oh, terrific. This is uh, The Legend of the Mystical Ninja starring Gomon oftentimes makes those titles, but not always. I think in the localization efforts, there are at least two, maybe three games with this same exact title, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I always hate. As, a, as somebody who's interested in video game history, I, uh, I, I don't care for games that have the same title as, as other games. just makes it more difficult to, um, to bring up in conversation. But uh, what is, um, I guess, what is your um, history with the series as of playing it? Like, when were you first introduced to it? Oh, I played it probably really close to when it was released in the U.S. on the Super Nintendo. Okay. And... Um, you know, I want to say, uh, you know, I don't remember if I was playing it at my house or if my friends had rented it. And I remember, um, I, I don't think we ever beat it, you know, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a pretty tough game. Um, and even, to the, you know, then it came out on the Wii Virtual Console. And, um, you know, I bought it on the Wii Virtual Console. And finally, you know, I finally went through and actually beat the game at that point. You know, so that was probably you know, gosh, when, when did the Wii come out? So probably late two thousands. Um, I finally, finally beat the game. And, uh, you know, now that I have kids, um, you know, and, you know, playing on the Wii U and going back into the Wii virtual console and, you know, it's, it's a pretty tough game. Um, but you know, it's, it's just so it's vibrant, it's colorful. The music is fun. Uh, it's quirky. Um, so I think that, you know, I think it just has this appeal of it's different and, you know, it's very Japanese and, and the music and the music is just so good. Uh, my favorite track, I think, from the, the game is probably the um, the travel agency music. And it's just this short, like 20, 30 second loop. But it's just it's just so cool. Um, and so I'm hoping we'll see uh, more of the Legend of the Mystical Ninja coming from our label in the near future. Yeah, the, the soundtrack for throughout the entire series is... Um pretty uniformly terrific if people are if people feel that they have exhausted their video game music libraries and are looking for more of that kind of old school very tune driven uh, type of uh type of music the the goman series in in particular has some some great very very melodically very tune driven pieces of music and this is one of the uh, kind of standout tracks this is a very familiar piece of music i'm uh, I'm very interested in its inclusion with the in the Christmas album as well, because it, it definitely does have the kind of jingling bells in the background, but it otherwise maintains the um, the feeling and the the very Eastern feeling, especially of the original piece of music, very strongly. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, you know, especially coming off of the uh, off of the last few tracks um, that are. I feel a lot more kind of Christmassy. I'm, I'm interested in, you know, kind of what, uh, what you feel this does for the, the sequencing of the album and, um, and kind of its, its general, general place in the structure. 
Yeah. So, I mean, just about the song in context, you know, this is one of the, um, this, this song plays pretty much, it's in the first level of the game. Um, so you hear this song really, really early in the game. And, um, you know, Mustard was asking, you know, what track, you know, is there any requests for a track this year? And I, I, I told him a few things and I said, oh, you know what? Um, Mystical Ninja is, 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 is basically licensable now you know, you want to do a track. And so I sent him a list of probably 20 of my favorite tracks from the soundtrack, which is probably a third of the soundtrack. And Mm -hmm. um, he picked this one and he sent me his version and says, he said, uh, you know, I think, I think this is, I'm really happy with where this is at, but it's not, um, it's not striking me as Christmassy enough. (laughs) And I said, oh, well, you know, why don't you throw some, uh, some jingle bells in there? Uh, you know, every quarter note and, or every uh, half note or, or whatever and, and vary up the uh, rhythm. And, uh, you know, that makes anything sound Christmassy. To me, I feel like, it, you know, the, outside of that, you know, he has some bells in it. Um, it just has a kind of frigid, icy, wintry uh, kind of vibe compared to the original song, which is a lot more smooth and cool. Uh, so I think that I think that you know maybe it's not. I, I feel like it captures the Christmas elements because we got the bells and the the jingle bells mm-hmm. and, and things. But I feel like um, you know maybe this is just more of an icy winter uh, variation on the theme. So you know I, I enjoyed it immensely just because yeah. of again the whole background of loving the game so much and the, and that, the soundtrack not getting very much attention. Um, so I was happy to have it on the album, and I think Mustin did a great job with the production. Yeah, I think it's a, a nice kind of walk down in energy as well to prepare for the next track, which is a lot more kind of intimate and quiet as well. Perhaps a little bit ironically, we'll get there. Anyways, this is Invasion of the Christmas Spirits by Mustin from Legend of the Mystical Ninja. Next, we have a piece called Bunny, 
That is a remix of a piece from Doom. <laughs> Doom does not end up on enough holiday collections, yes. uh, I feel. <laughs> what is the um, inspiration behind this track? Where, where did this one come from? That's a good question for Justin. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like you said, I, I, there's no line when I'm thinking about tracks that I want to have on a Christmas album. There's no line drawing to Doom. Um, so I'm not sure where it came from. Uh, I can't even say I recall this. This is the original Doom, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, not the most recent uh, kind of reimagining of Doom. So this is the very original Doom. And Justin is obsessed with rabbits. That's the name Bunny. And it's just very... Uh, <laughs> he's turned it into like this sweet... You know, there's like these sweet acoustic guitars and um, some spacey synth work and things. And uh, it's it's just kind of a fun unexpected uh pick for the album and you know i <laughs> justin's been on several um several of the volumes in the past and um you know to be he probably he probably even asked me what to do this year uh and i was probably pretty tied up and um you know usually we're kind of trawling through all the different nintendo stuff he can do he did a, a mario kart 64 rainbow road one year um that people really seem to like and um he's done what did he do last time? He did um, um, something from Majora's Mask last year. And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, he kind of just wanted to... It, it's really interesting. I feel like this this year we have a lot of, uh, you know, Donkey Kong Country by Rare, Hills of Destiny by, you know, Western developer Doom uh, by its software. So it's just kind of interesting, whereas we usually feature a lot of Japanese-developed you know, uh, video game music. Uh, we got a lot of Western developed uh, games covered this year. So it kind of fit in with that. So I was pleased to have it. It does kind of start off as a, um, as a fairly kind of calming, uh, acoustic guitar piece, like you would hear played around a campfire. It's a, it does have a nice kind of wintry feel to it. You know, you're, uh, perhaps kind of holed up in your home with a few loved ones and, um, sitting around listening to some nice music. Although the uh, that kind of heavy metal spirit of doom does creep its way back into the mix towards the end um, <laughs> in a real ghost of Christmas yet to come kind of way. I love the balance there. Doom, if I remember correctly, there is a there is a rabbit that plays a part in the motivation of the doom guy. I think it was a, I think it was kind of a throwaway joke in the instruction manual in the first one, or perhaps it was an accompanying graphic novel or something like that. But um, but there you go. it's been kind of a running joke throughout the series ever since that the Doom guy is is uh, really upset that the demons killed his pet bunny. So fun little bit of Doom history there. That that I, I yeah I, I think it's a very nice piece. Yeah, I like the music. I like the setting there. You know, it's coddled up next to the fire with the family <laughs> in winter and enjoying the music of Doom. Resting marshmallows <laughs> over the hellfire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> This is Bunny by Justin Lassen from Doom.
we have another uh, another cover of a traditional Christmas piece of music. A nice nice way to kind of mix up the flow of what's going on from doom to traditional Christmas music. This is a cover of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This is called A Midnight Hymn. What can you say about uh, this particular piece of music? Yeah, so um, Kubota-san is always, uh, he always gives us a, a Christmas track every year. He often tries to uh, piggyback onto, you know, other recording sessions he's doing. And sometimes we get some live, you know, chamber uh, performances in the past tracks he's contributed. But so he, he seems to be very fond of, um, you know, these traditional Christmas carols. And so if you go back, he's been on most of the albums. And, um, you know, I feel like this, this one in particular, it's, it's, it's kind of a more jazzy, uh, kind, of, yeah. kind of eclectic um, contribution. And, um, you know, if you listen to a lot of the stuff Kubota-san does on um, Beat Mania, which is something he's known for. Um, it's kind of this, I think fans of beat mania and what his tracks have been in beat mania will, will feel right at home with this arrangement. So I just always, I feel like, uh, you know, Kubota San's not a household name, but he's, he's so incredibly talented. He does a lot of, um, film scoring. He speaks like half a dozen languages. Um, so he records all wow. over the world, you know, France and Germany and China and Korea and Japan um, he's just a very fascinating um, character, and I feel like, you know, kind of the the eclectic nature of Kubota-san's captured very well in his music and in this arrangement particularly. So I think, um, you know, people who might not know Kubota-san um, can listen to this, and if they like what they're hearing, you know, go check out his other contributions to this series. Uh, go check out his um, Beat Mania music, um, because I think uh, you'll find yourself pretty pleased if you enjoy this. I really, really like this track. It has uh, the lead instruments are so gentle, but have such a soft-spoken confidentness, uh, confidence to them. But it's really underscored by a kind of a surprising upswelling of power from the string sections that um, that really give it a, a boost. And um, I don't know, it just it ends up feeling very emotional throughout, and um, quite a quite a nice Christmas piece. I can see this being um, being played often in the future around the holiday times. <laughs> Very cool. This is a midnight hymn based on O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
we're getting to the original track that uh, you mentioned at the top of the show. This is Sunset on the Drift. Um, again, I'm kind of curious if this was, uh, I mean, I can kind of, I can kind of guess based on the title that it was given, but i um, curious if this was kind of grounded in the sound or feeling or ethos of any particular moment in video game history. I didn't really, um, when I talked to Tim, Vector Drive, about this particular track, he didn't. See, it didn't sound like he was really going for any sort of video game reference. You know, he's a um, Vector Drive is his alias for his synthwave work, mm-hmm. and um, he is just wrapping up a first his first soundtrack as as the artist uh, Vector Drive. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, this his his Vector Drive endeavor has been. Uh, you know, original synthwave music to perform at, you know, synthwave shows. So I think that uh, he just kind of wanted to do a, um, you know, kind of a hall, his spin on a, on a holiday style song, um, you know, kind of an original. And that doesn't really seem like it was particularly um, inspired by any video game kind of reference, but I think it's a nice uh, contemplative, end of the album uh the guitar work that ryan contributed is is fantastic and uh i'm really happy to Mm. to, it's it's fun to be able to have someone's original you know i feel like um you know we people get i think the reason why people don't like you know quote don't like christmas music is because it is a lot of the same um you know standards arranged and redone over and over and over again so it's always refreshing to have um, something new that you can add um, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things, too, where maybe something doesn't distinctly sound, quote, Christmassy um, because it doesn't have jingle bells or, you know, whatever it is that you kind of identify as being a Christmas um, sound. But the fact that it's here with the other Christmas music, you're hearing it for the first time around Christmas. I think uh, it's pretty easy just to by association. Um, it becomes a Christmas track and you could probably listen to yeah. various other, I bet, you know, there's somebody who's kind of done an analysis of some Christmas songs and um, you know, that, that maybe you wouldn't otherwise just outside of hearing it around Christmas associate with, with quote a Christmas sound. So I think it's just kind of fascinating, you know, um, in that sense, what makes, what makes a Christmas song. And, and that came up multiple times on this, you know, even in our discussion, you mm-hmm. know, where we felt like something was kind of, um, you know, didn't really bleed that Christmas sound, but here it is. And it's going to be on, you know, if you buy the album and throw it on your Christmas playlist, it's going to be a Christmas sound. The, the big example I think of this is, um, I don't know if you uh, follow Yasunori Mitsuda at all, um, the composer. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was working on this Chrono um, Arrange album for like a decade. And it finally came out two years ago. It was like Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger, mm-hmm. a range album that he did. Well, he had released one of the tracks on that album about 10 years ago on, on his blog or something. And he said, this is a Christmas present. And it was a beautiful string arrangement of like uh, the Dimension Break track or something from, from Chrono Cross. And it was just a really warm string arrangement. It was just all strings. And so, you know, I threw that on my Christmas playlist. And now it's just on, you know, the album that he released with all this other chrono music. And every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, you know, this is a Christmas song. You know, this is this is a holiday song. And it's just it's just kind of fascinating how you associate things with a particular season, perhaps of whatever context you apply to the music. 
based on where you heard it first or what was going on. It's just always been really fascinating to me. I think this track fits into the the general kind of Christmas spirit in a way. Like it's it's very positive. It's very uh, kind of warm. It has the feeling of those kind of instrumental power ballads. Like you would get feels very Top Gun, feels very Air Supply in a way. It has little riffs every once in a while here and there that remind me a lot of Last Christmas, I Gave You My Heart for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that um, that track keeps kind of popping into my head uh, every once in a while, just like a few runs of notes here and there. Um, but I, I think it I think it definitely it has enough of that spirit to kind of put me in that mind space. I'm interested in what the uh, what the community makes of it as well. Uh, I think it's a very stirring piece, and I'm, uh, I'm really I'm glad. Fascinated. That I think it's fascinating that you mentioned last Christmas <laughs> because that was actually on Volume Two, mm-hmm. um, Super Sweep, which is mm-hmm. uh, one of the artists we work with. It's the studio of Shinji Hosoe. They did an arrangement of um, Last Christmas. And it was a synthwave arrangement, so I just thought it was kind of funny that <laughs> that from this this synthwave uh, original from Vector Drive, you're 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 feeling you're getting uh, Last Christmas vibes. So maybe you were listening to our uh, the entire series and you're like, oh yeah, you know, I heard that synthwave Last Christmas. Could just have it on the mind. And in fact, um, this year probably people will be hearing less Christmas music than ever before, because presumably we're not out shopping as much as we would be normally where, um, where perhaps this music is, is piping through the loudspeakers of the stores, um, just due to, you know, being, being relatively kind of closed up at home, just trying to stay safe and healthy. So, uh, yeah, this entire series of Christmas albums might be just the thing that people are looking for in 2020. Oh, yeah, thank you for that. I, I didn't even really consider that. You're actually giving me an idea. Maybe I need to um, have my iMac here playing AirPlay to all the speakers in the house. My Christmas playlist the whole <laughs> the whole month. Emulating the experience of being <laughs> in Macy's at this time of year. You don't know what you're going to miss until it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, you won't get sunset on the on the drift at Macy's, but you know, you can have it. It's yours. It's true. Well, not yet. Maybe someday. <laughs> This is Sunset on the Drift, uh, an original piece from this album.
have one more piece of music left to listen to today. It is uh, we've listened through the entire album that we've uh, that we've sat down to cover, and we have one kind of bonus track that we'd like to share on the way out. Another piece that fits into this kind of Christmassy vibe very well. Um, but before we listen to that, I would like to thank Jason for uh, for joining me and just kind of uh, open the floor up if you have. Obviously, this album that you'd like to plug, but if there's anything else or any URLs, locations, um, probably not live dates these days, but uh, anything else that you would like to direct people's um, attention yeah, towards. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you liked what you've been hearing on this album, um, we have a hub page that goes to all of our Christmas series. And again, there's six releases in it now. And that's scarletmoon.com slash Christmas. And um, from that page, you can get to all the releases. It tells you all the artists who are on each album and what's covered. Um, so that's a quick way to quickly dive into this series. Um, and, you know, that has the Spotify, it has the Bandcamp, it has the Apple Music. So whatever your, your platform is, um, each one of those links will take you to all the different storefronts that you might want to um, look at. Um, and uh, if you want to follow us, um, you know, if you go to scarletmoon.com and you scroll to the bottom, all of our socials are down there. So whatever your preferred platform is, you know, follow us and, uh, hopefully we'll have, um, volume six next year. We're going to catch up to final fantasy soon. There you go. Yeah. You're at a better pace for it anyways. Yeah. So if any, if you're interested in anything, you know, please, um, you know, uh, let us know what you think. And, um, you know, we're really responsive. We have a discord link at the bottom of our, uh, uh, in the, the social channels there on the website, join us there. We love talking about game music. We have a big community of game developers and composers. People are sharing their game development. People are sharing their music. It's just um, so yeah, we want to grow that community and um, want to hear what everybody thinks of our Christmas series because again, it's a it's a work of uh, passion for the holiday and for this kind of music. Um, so yeah, yeah, we want to keep doing it. Terrific. Let's introduce this final piece of music. This is from Gumanam, who've, uh, who's another kind of familiar name within the video game uh, remixing uh, and composition field. Uh, what is it about this this particular piece that, from the kind of history of of doing these albums and everything, uh, really kind of stands out to you? You know, obviously, we wanted to give the new album its due and talk about all the tracks, and that left us with one song, mm -hmm. you know, to talk about. Um, in addition to that, and you know, in, a, in an album series where there's six different albums, there's obviously a lot of stuff to choose from. And I, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to ramble um, for the last hour and um, touch on a lot of the other tracks that are featured throughout the series, because there's just so much awesome music. And again, as everybody just kind of contributing for fun, um, it's really important to me to be able to, you know, kind of highlight everybody's contributions um, and give them a moment in the spotlight. Uh, but I wanted to go for full circle here with this track and I'll go back to the beginning. Fisherman's Horizon um, is probably my top two. This is from Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, my top two um, Uematsu compositions. I, I just love the track. And uh, every once in a while, I'll just go into my um, iTunes library and do a search for Fisherman's Horizon. And I probably have a good dozen plus versions of the song. And I'll just play, uh, you know, a whole, <laughs> I'll play a whole hour or however long it is of uh, my Fisherman's Horizon playlist. And um, so I was really pleased when um, Gumin, who's um, one of our composers in Korea, 
a really great guy. Um, he goes by Knots. That's what you might see his name as in the TJ Maxx series. He's largely known for DJ Maxx. Um, he did some contributions to Ragnarok Online, which some people know, and um, and also Bar Oasis, which is an iOS bar simulation game. Um, he, so he's really talented. He's really versatile. Uh, but he obviously loves Christmas music as well. So he's done this really um, warm, uh, heartfelt take on Fisherman's Horizon, which is already such a beautiful song. Um, and uh, it, it just feels so good. It's just, it's perfect. It's probably one of my favorite versions, even when it's not Christmas, um, to go back and listen to this version uh, of the song. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just, I wanted to go full circle, go back to the EP that started it all. And I'm hoping we'll get some contributions from Gooman in, in future volumes because he contributed to the first two and uh, hasn't been back since. He's just been tied up. But uh, I just really love this production and uh, this song. Terrific. This is Fisherman's Horizon, a remix of a piece from Final Fantasy VIII. Anyways, thank you for joining us. And Merry Christmas, everyone, if that's how you choose to spend this time of the year. Either way... I'm, I'm ho- I hope that you've enjoyed listening to some good music, and uh, let's listen to some nice seasonal Final Fantasy music on the way out. Thanks for joining. 